Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. Hello and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name's Richie Clapson and I'm here with Ian Child. Hello everyone. And in this episode, Ian's going to be telling us all about some words of wisdom from the great and the good, aren't you, Ian? Well, that's right. You know how sometimes you just come across some advice where you just think, you know, that, that just absolutely nails it? So I'm going to be sharing a few of the gems that, uh, that I picked up from, uh, from some of the great and the good along the way, which, uh, which hopefully, yeah, should, should resonate with a few people. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know, a few words of wisdom, that should be good. But uh, before we get there, would you like to share how your week has been? Do you know, it's been um, it's been a good week, but I did have a bit of an embarrassing moment a couple of days ago. Oh, no. Well, at your age, I suppose uh, you've probably got to expect <laughs> a bit of that. Well, yeah. Although, <laughs> to be fair, last time I looked, you you and I were pretty much the same age, so I'd probably have to rethink, you know, if I were you, rethink your, your ageist comments, oh, if I were you. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. So what embarrassing moment did you have? Well, you know how we always tell people that you mustn't blag your way in property because the truth will always catch up with you? Yes. Well, I had a bit of an accidental blag in the fitness department. And I kind of got caught out in a in a big way. Excellent, excellent. I've often wondered why you're thinner than me and you're finally going to fess up to having a bit of help from uh, the surgeon's knife. What? Well, now come on. You're amongst friends here. You'll feel a lot better if you, uh, you know, if you come clean, get it off your chest. What is it? You know, gastric band. Well, no. Funny enough, that that wasn't what I was talking about <laughs> in the slightest. Uh, although, to be fair, there is a reason that I'm thinner than you. Uh, but I've worked out huh? that it's uh, it's got more to do with cake consumption than it has with any medical procedure. <laughs> no, no. This came about because uh, a few years ago. I decided to enter a half marathon. A half marathon? Yeah. Now, I, I can tell that you're about to make a Snickers-related joke, aren't you? <laughs> but it might have crossed my mind. Okay, Do, do you want me to wait whilst you kind of just put it no, out there? No, no. I suspect you might have just spoiled the punchline, but, um, <laughs> you know, you just carry on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, so where was I? Oh, yeah. I, okay, so I was, I was into my running at the time, and I'd, I'd just finished a, a 13K run. So I was kind of flushed with success. And I thought I'd try something a bit more challenging. And how far is a half marathon? Well, it's just over 13 miles. Okay. So it's uh, quite a big step up then. No, it was. And I I remember researching what was the best half marathon to do. And someone told me that the, um, I think it was the Reading half marathon was was kind of really flat. (laughs) So I I thought I'd enter that. So I sent off my my forms and uh and my entrance fee and then that was kind of probably a few months in advance of the uh, of the marathon and then i kind of put it to the to the back of my mind okay so so what happened then well as the date got nearer and nearer i knew um it was going to be a complete nightmare <laughs> <laughs> because i i'd not done any practice Ooh. to speak of so i'd, I'd managed managed to injure myself oh and uh, and then I had a, a kind of whole load of work-related excuses, which is why I couldn't start running again. So I decided not to do it. Now, uh, the entrance fee was non-refundable. Uh, not a problem. But what I hadn't realised was that the entrance fee also included a free T-shirt, which proudly proclaimed, 
I've run the Reading Half Marathon. Okay, I think I can see where this might be going. So, this T-shirt, Julie arrived a few days before the uh, the event and just stuffed it in the back of a drawer. So, roll the clock forward to uh, quite recently and I decided to go down to uh, my local gym and I grab the T-shirt from the drawer Ooh. whilst the bedroom light was off. And then, of course, when I get to the gym, I discover that I've picked up my my Reading T-shirt. So this would be the I'm a complete fraud who's never, ever been to Reading T-shirt then. <laughs> That's the one. And uh, as I'm kind of uh, warming up in the gym, these three young ladies come in. Ooh. And, um, yeah, one of them clocks my T-shirt and says... Uh, that's a coincidence. We we all did the the Reading Half Marathon the same year. You did. How did you How did you get on? Oops, a bit awkward, was it? Oh, you could say that. And what did you say? Well, uh, I did have a little bit of a pause, and I thought oh, there's no really good way of getting out of this. So I thought I better come clean. I decided to um, yeah to, to take my medicine, and, and I fessed up and told them oh. that I'd not actually run the race, <laughs> but I just randomly happened to pull out this T-shirt in the dark this morning. Which now you say it sounds uh, pretty lame and <laughs> you know, a touch pathetic. Which was, uh, if I'm honest, exactly how it came across. What did they do? <laughs> they just gave me a look and walked off. So <laughs> not a great moment, but I'm I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure, it was character building. You should have said uh, you'd have run it in about an hour. I mean, that's what I'd have done. I mean, they'd have never have known. Right. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd be fair, I'd love to have seen how that conversation would have panned out if uh, if you'd been in my well, shoes. What do you mean? Well, last time I looked, the world record for a half marathon was uh, about 58 minutes. So? And I think most of the athletes who've got close to that time have either been Kenyan or Ethiopian. You know, small-framed, uh, African, and uh, and without an ounce of fat on them. Now, I don't want to say anything out of turn, but I'm guessing that's not a description you hear very often about yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I reckon I'm about Mo Farrow's sort of height, maybe give or take a few inches. Yeah, but I, I think there's some other differences between the two of you, yeah, physically speaking. What do you mean? I've got more hair? I mean, suppose, I mean, you know, that would make me, make me a little bit less aerodynamic, I guess. No, I, I'm, I think the more obvious point is that his weight distribution is different to yours. So is that a polite way of saying that he's thinner than me? No, I'm saying that you're fatter than him. Oh, well, break it to me gently then. Why don't you? Well, sorry, I hadn't realised that that would come as a, a massive shock to you. Do you, uh, do you often get mistaken for Mo Farrell? No. OK, but not that often, no. But I still say you should have blagged it. I mean, I don't think those girls would have caught on, but it does serve you right. I mean, I'd have loved to be there, though. Anyway, anyway, what about you? What have you been up to whilst I've been uh, busy embarrassing myself? Oh, I've been going around car show rooms. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, what a what a massive surprise that is. Don't you ever get bored of looking at cars? Nope. Okay, so what cars have you been looking at this time? Well, I've actually reached a rather momentous decision. Ooh, really? What, uh, what's that then? Are you, uh, you're going to get a push bike? No, 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 no. I'm fairly confident that my next set of wheels may be electric. Right. Are you, are you saying that you've kind of finally given in to... Well, what we've all secretly been thinking. And what's that? Well, that you should get yourself one of those little mobility scooters so you can get out a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard they're very handy for getting around the shops. No, 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 no. I'm talking Tesla. Really? And, well, this is quite surprising coming from someone who's, uh, well, frankly, a self 
proclaimed petrol head, aren't you? Yeah, so? Well, uh, I hate to break it to you, but all Teslas are electric, so kind of not a whiff of petrol in sight. But that doesn't matter now that I found out that they have a thing called ludicrous mode. Right, you've just discovered this, have you? Yeah, 0 to 60 in 2.4 seconds. Uh, okay, and that that's important to you, is it? Well, you know, you'd have to admit it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Well, absolutely, although it must be reassuring to know that you're not alone in the world. That I'm not alone? What, what are you banging on about now, then? Well, that you've actually managed to find something else that has a ludicrous mode. I, I think you'll make the perfect match. <laughs> oh, very, very <laughs> funny. Anyway, look. I've put on my list, so watch this space. It's there. I'm having a look at it. But enough about cars. We should uh, probably crack on with the show. We should. Now, it pains me to say this. Uh, it really does. But I've heard, <laughs> I've heard a few wise things come from you over the years. Just a few. Wow. So I'm intrigued to find out what makes uh, a standout wise bite in your eyes. Okay, let me just let that compliment sink in for a second. <laughs> it's the only Beautiful one you're going to get. Beautiful man. Yeah. Um, well, it's very kind of you to say so. Uh, but to be honest, I can't take that much of the credit because most most wisdom, let's be honest, is is kind of old and not new. But there are some times when when you just come across an idea that you just think to yourself, Do you know, that's just perfect. It kind of makes so much sense. Okay, so what's your first wise bite? Okay, uh, so this one uh, is one I quite like from a, a gentleman called Seth Godin. Now, Seth is a very wise man, in my opinion, a bit of a legend in marketing and leadership, and he's written. I think about 20 best-selling books on a whole raft of different subjects. Uh, and he's, he's got a blog, uh, which is one of the most popular blogs in the universe. Not just the world, then. <laughs> no, 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 he's that popular. Uh, I think he started it back in 2002-ish, and I'm guessing he must have done, I don't know, probably close on 7,000 uh, blog posts by now. So, yeah. And one of the things I love about him is that he's got his great knack of distilling wise messages into kind of very few words, which means... He kind of gets to the point extremely quickly. Now, there are, there are loads of wise words to take from Mr. Godin, but the idea I'm, uh, I'm going to give you today is, is one that uh, he's featured in his own kind of personal top 100, and it's called The World's Worst Boss. And it makes a really important point that, you know, I think we all ignore, or at least we, we often take for granted, and that is that we are all our own bosses. You know, your boss is you. So you manage everything you do, how you respond to life, how your career develops, what you spend your money on, how you educate yourself, and in particular, the the way you talk to yourself. So you talk to yourself a lot, do you? I do. It's the, uh, it's the second sign of madness. And what's the first? Working with you. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, we, we do all talk to ourselves, even if it's kind of mostly internally. Uh, anyway, so big deal, you might be thinking, you're your own boss, what's new there? Well, the problem is that most people make a really rubbish job of it. And uh, let me just read out to you what, what Seth Godin says on the subject in, 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 his, uh, in his blog on this, on this issue. He says, if you had a manager that talked to you the way you talk to you, you'd quit. If you had a boss that wasted as much of your time as you do, they'd fire her. If an organisation developed its employees as poorly as you are developing yourself, it would soon go under. So it's a pretty damning indictment then. Yeah, but regrettably it's rather depressingly true. Mm. When we when we see someone who is able to manage him or herself, well, they kind of stand out from the crowd. You know, maybe they, they somehow manage to get their job done between the hours of nine to five whilst living a laptop lifestyle and, and travelling around the world. 
or or maybe we find someone that takes their spare time at the weekend to go on a course and get educated and then they develop a, a profitable enjoyable kind of side business as a result or better still when we find someone who's actually happy with their lot I mean, there's not too many of those around. No, no, you're not wrong there, that's so the, for sure. The point is that, that managing yourself effectively is probably the most important thing you can possibly learn, and yet most people don't, you know, they, they do it really badly. And what do you think the, the main reason for that? I, I think there's a few. I mean, I think human nature plays a big part. We're, we're kind of naturally lazy and, and sort of pleasure-seeking, and we much rather have jam today than, than, than jam tomorrow. So the thought of being organised enough to free up some time by you know, not watching TV or, or going on social media or doing, doing something, uh, having some downtime... Um, you know, but instead doing something that could make life a lot better for us in the long run, it kind of sounds like a really obvious thing to do, uh, but we don't do it because we, we crave the short-term pleasure instead. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny, actually. Uh, Matt, our producer, told me a while ago about one thing, that if you, if you do it for just one hour, you can add as much as seven hours to your life. What, really? Yeah. Yeah, you, well, you just do something for an hour, and then you automatically live for seven hours longer. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good trade-off. Well, it does, not it? You'd think there would be uh, queues of people wanting to do this thing so that they could live longer. So what is it then? Come on. Is it eating biscuits? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's really <laughs> likely to be the advice of Matt, uh, marathon running producer. You know, eat biscuits for an hour and you'll live seven, <laughs> seven hours longer. I can just hear him saying that. Yeah, so hold on. Just be clear. Are you saying it's not biscuits then? Yes. Uh, for the avoidance of any doubt whatsoever, it's not eating biscuits. Okay, so what, what is it then? It's running. Basically, there was a scientific study done in, uh, in 2017. And, and that's what it found. It also found that people who run uh, you know, for exercise for, for four hours a week, on average, live three years longer. Now, bearing in mind that we're only here on this planet kind of the once, or at least to the best of our knowledge we are, you'd kind of think the streets would be jam-packed with people jogging left, right and centre. Because, after all, there's nothing you can physically buy that's going to give you an extra three years of life. And, of course, running is, is more or less free. Yet most people don't do it, which is rather weird. But, again, that's human nature. We can't get past the immediate pain of going for a run today, even though it's free and even though we know it's going to make us live longer. Another reason that we're kind of poor bosses is because we don't manage our time. We kind of let our lives just happen to us rather than thinking about what we do each day. And, uh, and of course, most people don't have any personal goals, which is, which is something that contributes to the, uh, to the problem too. I mean, did you know that only 20% of people apparently have any goals at all? Okay, so this, this is all a bit depressing. It is really, isn't it? So is there anything that we can do to make ourselves maybe a, a bit better boss of ourselves? Well, most of it is just about being aware of the problem and then learning to manage yourself better. If you, if you just kind of stood back and take uh, a critical look at how poorly you manage your time, it's actually quite easy to find some extra hours to do something really worthwhile. And then, obviously, you need to make a point of having some goals, some personal goals and business goals, so that you can, you can use this spare time to work towards something. And finally, I think a lot of it is about having that strength of character to, to kind of dodge the jam today problem, or in your case, the, the biscuits today problem. Yeah. Okay. I, I was on board with everything right up to the biscuit part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So uh, my second wise bite comes from, uh, from quite an unusual source, actually. It's from a, a cartoonist called 
Scott Adams. Now you might know him as the guy who writes the uh, the Dilbert. Okay, uh, yes, cartoons. I know, I know the cartoons. Very funny. Uh, I mean, all about life at work, aren't they? Exactly. Now, um, Scott, in my opinion, has basically nailed the secret of success, and I think absolute genius. What success as a cartoonist? No, no, success in life or, or anything. You know, you name it. I'm about to show you that success is actually really easy to achieve, no matter what you do. Okay, I'm all ears. I noticed that. I think it may just be your haircut. <laughs> Come on, go on with it. <laughs> okay. So, so Scott tells us that there are, there's basically only two ways to be successful. The first is to become the best in the world at one specific thing. Okay. Uh, that's not much of a revelation, is it, though? <laughs> no. No, it's not that surprising. And, and to be fair, Scott doesn't recommend that you even try to be the best because it's so difficult to do that statistically it's much more likely that you'll fail. So don't even bother. Okay. So I'm hoping there's more to this uh, top tip. Well, uh, yeah, I'm pleased to say there is. Basically, Scott has a second way, and that is to become very good at two or maybe three things. So not the best, just very good. Okay, so define very good for us. Okay, he says that very good is to be in the top 25% Okay, so, so not that difficult to achieve in the scheme of things, really. No, no, I mean, actually very easy to achieve. Now, the reason it works is that you end up compounding the rarity value by being very good at more than one thing. So Scott uses himself as an example. He says he wasn't a very gifted artist but he learned how to draw well enough so that he's good by most other people's standards. But, you know, he's way off being excellent. He's just in that top 25%. And then he said you know, he's no funnier than a stand-up comedian who, who, you know, most stand-up comedians never make it big. But then again, he's funnier than most other people. So he's, he's again, in the top 25%. Now, each of those things in their own right wouldn't make him successful, but it's the combination of the two that has the rarity value. You know, there's plenty of artists who aren't funny, plenty of comedians who can't draw, but when you put the two together, you get something that's quite rare, and that's what's made him successful. So uh, if we just kind of think about that for a second, because I think it's extraordinarily uh, perceptive, Scott always advises young people to get good at public speaking so that they're in the top 25% when it comes to public speaking. Now, the good news is that public speaking is most people's biggest fear, but yet it's a skill you can actually learn. Never ever think that people are born public speakers. It's a it's a science, and you simply need to go and learn it, uh, learn how to do it. It's not difficult at all. Then, if you add that talent of public speaking to any other talent that you may have, where you're already in the top twenty five percent, then all of a sudden. You're you're going to be the boss of people who only yeah. have just the one skill. Yeah, I mean, well, that, I mean that's ridiculously simple, but I absolutely get it. Oh, it's genius, isn't it? I mean, how? Um, let's think about this. You know, if you were to if you were to add a third skill, where you're in the top twenty five percent of a third thing, you kind of take things on to a whole new level again. So Scott's third skill was that he went to business school, so he could make his his cartoons about business and working. So all of a sudden, he's about the only funny artist who knows a lot about business. And he, he's not brilliant at uh, any one of those three. He's just in the, the top 25% of them. And he, he also gives some other examples. Uh, he, he did an interview with, uh, with Tim Ferriss. And uh, he's got a, a fantastic podcast. And you could get, a, a, he says things like, you know, you could get a business degree on top of your science or arts degree is a good example. Uh, where you're again you're getting a second thing that you're very good at or you could learn how to be in the top 25 percent at selling 
So then whatever else you do, you've got that additional skill set. And it's, you know, the really obvious point is that it's, it's very simple to be in the top 25% at something. You know, particularly if it's a passion of yours, you're probably almost certain to be in the top 25% already. Uh, then, of course, all you've got to do is to combine them. Yeah, and it wouldn't be much good if you were in the top 25% of, say, accordion players and then the top 25% of cheesemakers. <laughs> No, that would be a, a little bit niche. Um, but I, I think it's a really interesting kind of wise bite for young people. It's a you know, challenging world out there and, and our education system isn't really preparing people to work in it very effectively. And if you're being selfish, that's probably a good thing because it means that with a, a little intelligence, you can kind of get ahead of everyone else who's struggling to follow the life and career cycle that they teach you in school. And what if what if you're not selfish? Well, if you're not selfish, then you probably try and change the education system, which uh, could be a little bit more than a full, full-time job. Okay, that's probably another podcast episode there in its own right, <laughs> and uh, we, we're not just there yet. So what's your third and final wise bite, Mr. Child? Right, this is one uh, I owe to, to probably two people, actually. The first was a chap who, who first discovered it, which was a chap called uh, Vilfredo Pareto, and the second... Can you say that again? Uh, Vilfredo Pareto. Oh, you can. Yeah. And, uh, and the second was the guy who applied it to business, who was uh, a chap called uh, Joseph M. Duran. Now, you've probably heard of, uh, of Mr. Pareto because he lent his name to the, uh, the Pareto Principle, which is often referred to as the good old 80-20 rule. Ah, this is where you get 80% of the results from 20% of the activity, isn't it? Absolutely, hitting the nail on the head. And the reality is that the 80-20 rule is called a rule because so many things follow it. So, for example... 20% of software faults account for 80% of, of software errors or you know, 20% of businesses' uh, clients account for 80% of their profits. You know, the, rule, the rule is everywhere and, and one of the, the places it exists is with ourselves. So when we're working, 80% of our, our results, of our success, comes from just 20% of the things that we do. And our problem is that we dedicate as much time to the 80% that produces only 20% of our success as we do to the the 20% that uh, produces the rest. You mean that we just do what we do without thinking about which bit is the 20% of stuff that's getting us the best results? Exactly right. And and so we actually have an amazing opportunity. What if we took a step back, tried to identify what tasks fall into that 20%? You know, we could then dedicate more of our time to to those tasks and, and less time to the other 80%. And that's not to say that the other 80, 80% is worthless. Uh, and this was something that, um, that Duran uh, recognizes. Kind of, it, it's, that 80% is just not quite as productive as the 20%. So for the 80%, we could either not do, do it at all, we could outsource it to somebody else, uh, or, or simply less, uh, spend less time doing it. So I've got it. So, you're, so your wise bite then is basically take a step back, Work out which things you do that you're in your 20% and focus more attention on them. Do you know, I'm not sure I could have said that better myself. That's oh. exactly right. Exactly right. Fantastic, Ian. Uh, that's, that's been really great. I mean, there you have it. Three wise bites that hopefully give you something to think about. And who knows, hopefully you may also be able to use them. For me to summarise that, I mean, be a better boss of yourself absolutely important i like Mm -hmm. that you know i never thought of being a boss of yourself be in the top 25 percent of two or three skill sets and create a niche that makes you more successful how simple that was just in the top 25 so and i think one of the things i love about that is that that is great advice for, for young young people because it is challenging out there if you can just take that perspective that you just need to be 
good at, at two or three things and I put love them the combination yeah. yeah the combination of two you or three things you don't have to be brilliant and the best at one thing and of course the final one and we have to mention this as, as a summary one work out the 20% of the things that you do to get 80% of the results you want and I love that rule which is so applicable uh, works really really well Ian that's been fantastic We'll be back with even more Wise Bites in a future series, but for now, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for in this episode. Join us again next time when we'll be giving you the inside track on another part of the property world. In the meantime, feel free to check out our other episodes and you can visit our website, which is at propertyceo.co.uk. But until next time, it's goodbye from us both. Goodbye.